Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the last listener mail segment of the year. It is... Uh, 20, yes, the next time you hear this, it will be 2022 if you are tuning into each of these as these each come out. And uh, keep these voicemails, keep these emails coming. Uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, we have got some strange places to go uh, in, in today's show. So we're going to see what lies beyond the boundaries of death. We're going to see what lies beyond the horizon the geopolitical future, and then we're going to quite literally hear some strange things. You might see some strange things as well. I suggest that we begin at the end for a great many people, uh, and that that is the idea of death. I always know that, unfortunately, uh, suicide does tend to spike toward the end of the year, 
Um, people have a lot of challenging things. Everyone is fighting a great battle that you probably don't know about unless you are that person. And uh, it, it makes me think of Voltaire, who famously asked, I believe it was Voltaire, asked, why are we afraid of death? Were we afraid of being born? It's a question that's very difficult to answer, but a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists listening along today have had near-death experiences. Um, And I I, uh, think that, you know, without putting a spotlight on any of us, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've had some things like that that I can't explain because I have often, you know, had some ill-informed misadventures. But uh, we are here. We are with you in the last week. And, uh, you know, we received this Excellent. Uh, we had a lot of people writing into us about things concerning reincarnation, things concerning, you know, the great question of what happens when your body and your mind appear to leave this mortal coil. Uh, and quite recently, we received an excellent story about this. But I think, Noel, this this also has a mention of something else you found interesting that is more uh, disease related than death related, right? It does. We're talking about death and disease um, with this listener mail. It's the double whammy, and it comes from listener who'd like to be referred to as Almost Widowed. Uh, that is a specific nickname um, tied to this particular story. Uh, Almost Widowed writes, my husband was completely against the COVID-19 vaccine. I was vaccinated with a trial vaccine, Novavax. I'd love an episode on that, and I do believe that it's very much worth that. Uh, well, in September, our oldest son, 14, got sick from school. He was COVID positive. We all got tested. My husband and youngest son also tested positive. My daughter and I did not. So we all tried to separate, but the damage was done. We all ended up getting it. I went to the hospital um, September 29th. My husband came to the hospital the same day and was admitted. Shout out to my best friend for caring for the house, kids, and animals while we were both sick. I was on a low amount of oxygen for a few days, but went home October 3rd. On October 4th, however, my husband was placed on a ventilator. Uh, Things were very rough for us. Then on October 11th, he was transferred up to Atlanta. We live in Columbus uh, to go to Emory University for ECMO, ECMO, which is a uh, thing that was mentioned in the last Strange News episode, Ben, uh, your story about how pig anuses can help with oxygenation of the blood, potentially. Um, So if you haven't checked that one out, it's very much worthwhile. Also, shout out to Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. Absolutely. It was a long road with many Ds, but I did get him back home on December 2nd. Thank the Lord. Um, before we get to the, the near-death experience story, I just want to mention this um, Novavax, Novavax rather. I did not realize this was an um, experimental uh, COVID vaccine that held clinical trials here in the U.S. Uh, and the results from this phase three clinical trial that enrolled around 30,000 adults in the U.S. and Mexico showed that the, uh, quote, investigational vaccine known as NVX-COV2373 showed a 90.4% efficiency in preventing symptomatic COVID-19 disease. Um, and the candidates also showed 100% uh, protection against moderate 
moderate and severe disease uh, and in people at high risk of developing complications from COVID-19, people 65 years and older uh, and people under the age of 65 with certain comorbidities like uh, regular exposure to COVID-19. The vaccine also was very effective in showing 91% efficacy in preventing symptomatic COVID-19. The U.S. clinical trial results show that it is safe and it does appear to be very close. This company, Novax, which is based in Maryland, uh, is very close to getting approval for this vaccine, which would make it uh, the fifth, I think, um, approved vaccine here in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe definitely in the EU. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely in the EU, but this is something that would potentially um, come to the United States. So uh, shout out to Almost Widowed for participating in this clinical trial uh, and it apparently worked. So, uh, well, I guess it could have been a, uh, a placebo, though, right? Isn't that part of the risky run in participating in a clinical trial? You might not get the real thing. Right. Yeah. Typically, uh, if you were part of the control group, then you might not get the uh, the actual thing they're testing. Uh, So we'd need to learn more about the specifics of that trial. But just to be clear to everybody, yes, Novavax, real vaccine, it works in a different way, which is something we can talk about later, which I find fascinating. But it is definitely not Novalox. That is something different. It is delicious, delicious, but it's different. Not effective against uh, against the COVID (laughs) nineteen virus. Uh, So on to oh yeah, I'm saying if only it were, I would be a happy boy. Uh, That is some good stuff. I recently went to New York City for fun. I got out of there too, which seems to be a pattern for me. Right before the COVID hit the fan yet again. Now, literally week after I've been there, everything is closing down again, and people are not having a particularly great time uh, in New York City. Um, Anyway, going to the death part of the story. Back to the letter. My husband, I believe, had a near-death experience. When he was finally woken up from all the drugs, he was asking for his Bible. Now, my husband has never been a religious man, but I brought up two Bibles, my Bible along with his family's Bible. I also gave the hospital staff some YouTube videos to, quote, read the Bible to him. They would turn it on for him, sit the computer on his shoulder, and every time a nurse would come in, he would get their attention. He still couldn't talk, so all of this was mouthed. It took quite some time before he could speak, and I would ask him why he was asking for a Bible. He told me that he had dreams over and over again that he was dying, and my father and I were there, and we went toward the light, and he went to hell. He saw himself die multiple times, and he could tell he was being tormented in hell. He doesn't talk about it much, and I don't want to push the issue because I know he's still trying to heal. But I certainly believe this falls into the, quote, near-death experience. Uh, I love the show. Y'all are amazing. Feel free to use my email, codename, whatever you want. Almost widowed. Um, Wow. Yeah, I mean, this whole going into the light thing, like, it's all so fascinating uh, in that it appears to be a shared experience for many, many people who are on their deathbed or on death's door, I guess, as it were. Um, not not making light of this at all, but it reminds me of a, uh, a scene uh, in my obligatory Sopranos reference where uh, Michael Imperioli's character, Christopher Montesanti, uh, is in the hospital. Um, no spoilers, but he is in the hospital. Um, and he says, I saw the tunnel and the white light. I saw my father in hell. And the bouncer said that I'd be there, too, when my time comes, to which Polly Walnuts uh, asks, what bouncer? And then Christopher says, the Emerald Piper, 
that's our hell. It's an Irish bar where it's St. Patrick's Day every day forever. Oh. Um, because, you know, they're Italian and they don't care for the Irish. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is such an interesting shared experience in the same way that people who take, say, DMT um, uh, apparently have very, very similar experiences where they have these, like, sort of spirit guides that sort of, you know, guide them through this very, very intense psychedelic experience. Mm. And oftentimes they emerge from it feeling like they have learned this, like, unlearnable life lesson. And a lot of people that do that one time, they say they don't ever need to do it again because it's sort of like a one and done kind of situation. Right. And it reminds me of, of a near-death experience almost. Mm. Yeah. It, what was that? You know, Matt, we had a phenomenal interview uh, with uh, Professor Ethan Nadelman, the uh, creator of the show Psychoactive. Uh, and I don't remember if it's, I don't think it's come out yet, but he was he was telling us much the same thing, not just with... Uh, ketamine and dmt but there was a, there was another thing that he he hipped us to uh you know what fellow conspiracy realists we're just gonna have to wait till the interview comes out because i don't i don't remember well i can't wait to hear it because i was unfortunately not uh not uh present for that one but it sounded like a fascinating interview uh, he's a great guy but bringing that up to say you know um almost widowed first thank goodness uh that your husband pulled through uh, a lot of people didn't um and hold them close uh, while you can. Fascinating thing here is that there is a lot of research on near-death experiences. And like you said, Noel, uh, it is a transformative experience for the majority of people who, ex who have a vision or come back with some sort of memory. And, you know, we often hear the stereotypes you know, so widely quoted in works of fiction of seeing the light of uh, being politely told that it's not your time to go. But if you'd like to learn more about the other side, distressing near-death experiences, there is an excellent article in Missouri Medicine, which is a journal from the Missouri State Medical Association called Distressing Near-Death Experiences, The Basics. And they documented three types of these unpleasant NDEs, inverse, void, and hellish. And this is a scientific journal. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so they've put, they put the time in, and I recommend reading that to get some stats and to get a sense of the pattern I think you would find especially interesting for you and your spouse, uh, the, the way they break down the responses, not just those three types of experiences, but types of response, which they categorize as the turnaround or, uh, you know, saying, I needed that and I will be different now. Uh, reductionism, which is saying like, well, you know, I know a little bit about neurochemicals and I know a little bit about the working of the brain so I can scientifically explain this away. Uh, or three, the long haul, which is more of a big picture look. What did I, what did I do? Because this experience stays with people. It doesn't have to, even if you consider yourself a hard, a hardcore atheist or whatever you want to call it, the thing is that that doesn't make the PTSD of these kinds of experiences any less real. And it can stay with people. It can haunt you. Uh, agreed. And it also, not, not to harp on this whole psychedelic angle, but it makes sense that uh, psychedelic 
drugs or substances are very popular or apparently very effective to ease people in end of life situations uh, into that transition, into that light, the one where you actually do go through, because it does appear that people can have these types of visions and types of, you know, uh, transformative experiences with doses of certain doses of psychedelics. So I I definitely understand why that would be a, a valuable way to kind of get someone to not maybe have a hellish uh, experience. Mm. Yeah, we recently yeah. got a call from John, who's a person who talked to us before about ketamine use and, mm-hmm. and you know, I remember you, John. Um, yeah, stopping addiction, a couple other things. And he recently called back to talk to us about reincarnation, but the, that conversation really actually dovetails nicely into this, just with how, in his use of the substance, he has found just a almost a oneness with what he describes as infinite energy and how mm-hmm. it really does, as you're describing there, Noel, um, it's eased the way he imagines life or existence upon corporeal death. Um, so it, I, I can just see that yeah. matching up really well. And shout out to you, John. Or like, uh, or like Aldous Huxley who had one mm-hmm. of the most baller ways of leaving the mortal plane ever. You guys may remember the story. Huxley was bedridden. He was he had been experimenting with uh, psychedelics later in life, and he was dying of, I, I believe, terminal cancer. Uh, so he requested that his wife give him 100 micrograms of LSD. Uh, I, I think that's a lot, right? What's the usual dosage of LSD? It's fine it's to plead the fifth. I think it's many, many fewer micrograms than that. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I've also heard that it's not the best way to take the drug to have it injected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it could, maybe, it, no, I don't know. No, it wasn't LSD. It was somebody injected themselves with psilocybin and it caused the spores to like grow inside of their body and cause some kind of horrible, horrible blood infection. Uh, So maybe LSD being more of a, you know, uh, synthesized substance rather than an organic uh, thing that can grow uh, within you, a fungus, essentially, Uh, maybe it's better that way. But um, and and also, you know, just in general, don't do drugs, everybody. No, for sure. Uh, (laughs) But unless, you know, don't do. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Everybody is doing some sort of drug. It's very rare to not be doing something, even if it's like aspirin or caffeine. You know, I'm a, this I mean, caffeine, caffeine is delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what is that? Kombucha? It's a buy. No, it's a buy I would boost. never. I would never. You will never catch me drinking kombucha in my life. Gonna, okay, fair enough. I don't care for the stuff. It tastes like vinegar. Um, but thank you so much, Almost Widowed, and really glad that your husband's doing better and um, glad to hear that in some way perhaps this was a valuable experience um if a little bit scary but um we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with some more messages from you live nation presents concert week from now through may 14th get 25 dollars tickets to over 5,000 summer shows that's up to 75 percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 savage alanis morissette cage the elephant celeste barber dirks bentley janet jackson megan trainer peso pluma sean paul some 41 and many more for way less grab your tickets now through may 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. Uh, As always, I want to thank everybody who has reached out, uh, especially this past year, and in my case, especially over over the last month and change, uh, reached out just on a personal level. Uh, you can always do so. I'm at Ben Bullen on Instagram, at Ben Bullen HSW. And I uh, want to give a particular shout out to someone who brought up uh, a subject of endless fascination, for me at least. I hope it'll fascinate our fellow listeners as well. This comes from S. That pause is intentional. It is dot, 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 S. Got it. That's for the gravitas, right? And so, so they got me. But here we go. Here's, here's what S wrote to us to say. Hey, you all. Uh, fun fact, I have a very difficult time pronouncing the contraction, you all. It's embarrassing. I've tried. Um, a lot of people assume everyone in the South can say it. I cannot. Uh, so, hey, you Dude, could all. you try? Can you try it? I would just want to hear it. It's, it's really off, embarrassing. Off air. Yeah. Really? Uh, yes, all right. All yes. right. All right. Um, all you right. can ask our good friend Lauren Vogelbaum if you need confirmation. Nola's probably seen me try to pronounce it too. Uh, so, 
I am a North American white girl who recently had the benefit of being educated on some sh** going on in Africa by my colleagues from Zimbabwe and Nairobi, specifically China. Apparently, China, Chinese corporations have been supplying grants to African governments to build infrastructure. This is confirmed by a couple of sources linked below. And this is what I love about emails, S. I love when people are able to send us those links, to send us those photographs of whatever you saw, whether it's a strange thing in the sky, a creepy government installation. That, I think, is one of the primary advantages of email. So we've got these links, and S says, now here's where it gets crazy. The Diplomat article that she sent suggests this is not just global capitalism in action, but it's a power grab. China is using these grants to lean on African countries for those sweet, sweet UN votes. But here's where it gets crazier. My colleagues tell me these grants are actually being funneled back to China as the infrastructure is built by Chinese corporations who don't even hire locals. They just import their own staff from Asia. And this extends after the project is done due to the maintenance contracts. You need a wall painted? No problem. They'll fly in a painter from China. Now, here's where it gets crazier-er. They tell me that this extends beyond the build site to the Chinese corporations, even bringing street vendors into the community to replace the local vendors. I wasn't able to verify this myself, so I'm punting it to you. What do you think? Conspiracy to basically turn African countries into Chinese satellite states wouldn't be the first time Africa has been in this position uh, by reducing the population to vassals and the governments to voting blocks or just good old global capitalism. Sorry for the long email. Love the show. Feel free to read this on air. You can call me S. Well, S, uh, just <laughs> just for the sake of dead air, I think we're, we're going to hold on the pause now that we all yep. know you're the S we're talking about. Uh, this this segment is brought to you by the the letter in the person S. Uh, we have talked about China in Africa in the past. We have a classic episode on this. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. But this is going to become an increasingly important issue as the years while on, as long as people are still functioning under the current global power structure. But the problem with this, like so many issues reported in mainstream media, is that the view presented is often pretty simplistic. Anti-colonialism stance. People get that now. We can all agree colonialism was bad. Uh, But there is xenophobia (laughs) that goes into this. There's a lot of like big bad China reporting, you know. And, And look, don't get us wrong. Don't get it twisted here. China's doing bad stuff. There are Uyghur concentration camps as we're recording. And if saying that on air means that I can't get to China, then that's fine because it's true. And I would rather get, you know, I would rather be prevented from going to a country because I said something true. You know what I mean? And that's just an ethical Mm -hmm. standpoint. And of course, the U.S. has, has and is doing terrible, terrible things, both domestically and abroad. So there is the argument to be made that there's a little bit of a glass house situation sometimes, but that doesn't mean what is happening on the African continent is not true. We have talked about the ways in which those infrastructures, those infrastructure deals and loans can be used to boost the Chinese economy at the expense of a a lot of just the regular people living in some of these countries and regions on an enormous and diverse continent. You know, it's not the the sad truth of the matter is often in international deals, 
with uh, with authoritarian countries, at least the people at the very top, at the tippy top, will make gangbusters amount of money, and the people at the bottom won't see too much of a change. Like, yeah, you're building a road, but what good is the road if it just goes from the port to the mine? Right. And there's not there's not a road paved to like the place where the people live. Uh, This is a problem. This does accelerate uh, racist attitudes uh, on all sides and serious and I would say valid concerns about inequality. But while that is while while that complicated, nuanced system is true, it's in place. And uh, we'll talk about a bigger picture of this, uh, something called One Belt, One Road, which you may have heard of if you you know, study Chinese foreign policy and foreign infrastructure, et cetera. Uh, one question that really stood out to me that S uh, has proposed here is the idea that this economic assistance could be used to influence conversation and policy in the United Nations. And after doing just a little bit of reading, because this, this is definitely one belt, one road in the UN is its own episode. And it's one of those episodes that will be, I think, of increasing value over the next decade. But one thing that really stood out is uh, I'm persuaded that it's true now. I'm persuaded the conspiracy is real. There's a great Wall Street Journal article that came out in September of last year called How China is Taking Over International Organizations One Vote at a Time. Now, this S is not the same thing, not not quite the same thing as, say, uh, China Chinese officials going to Zimbabwe and saying, you need to vote this way on the Uyghur situation or something like that. Uh, what it, it is a piece of that, but it's also noting that Beijing is exerting more control over the committees in the United Nations. So United Nations has, you know, you've heard things like the Food and Culture Organization. They have things like the Industrial Development Organization, uh, things like that. If you are If you're a country and you're just a U.N. member, you end up being a member of those organizations, hopefully. The same way that senators and members of Congress get a lot of power from the committees that they join, right? That's why people want to be on the Intelligence Committee, because it gives you some heft, you know? You want, and and, you know, you want to be on the Budget Committee too, right? Uh, Always be on the Budget Committee. Always be on the Budget. (laughs) And uh, this is to some uh, who are more averse to China's international growth, this has been seen as a something like a sneaky tactic or something even phrased as, you know, a new front in a new Cold War, which you could say is a little alarmist, but the tendencies are there. Uh, China has a pretty good catbird seat in the UN and some of this development because it's the world's second largest economy, but it's still often pays discounted funding rates because it is considered a developing nation. So like in 2018, as Wall Street Journal points out, and this article, by the way, is uh, by three authors, Kato Keith, Drew Hinshaw, and Yaroslav Trofimov. Uh, this Nice Russian accent, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, man. Maybe, maybe, I can, uh, maybe I can get into China from Russia. Problem for another day. But uh, so in 2018... China contributed 1.3 billion U.S. dollars equivalent to the U.N. 
And the U.S. the same year contributed $10 billion. Uh, it's hard to grasp the difference of billions, but just know that a, a billion is a lot of money. A billion is too much mm. money for any one person, basically. Uh, and maybe I, can, maybe I can't get into Amazon now, having said that to Jeff. Sorry, pal. That 30-day trial's up. That 30-day trial is up. I need my, I need my petition prime service. So, so what do you guys think, first off? I, I've made my initial conclusion clear, and of course, I'm always glad to go back and modify those opinions if new information emerges. But do you think it's possible that China may be uh, maybe making these deals with African countries and then later kind of voluntelling those countries how to vote in the UN? I mean, I can totally see that position, right? Logically, those those things follow. I have a hard time getting my mind out of the resource extraction argument for why, you know, China's motivations behind their actions in, in, in Africa, just from our previous conversation, Ben, about steel production, I think it's manganese that is needed. That's in certain parts of Africa, mm -hmm. uh, cobalt that they're extracting. And what's coltan? Is that the one for electronics? There's another C word, that exists in a very specific part of Africa that China is just ripping out of the ground to use in electronics manufacturing. Yeah, coltan. Uh, they use gold mining techniques, and there's also a big slavery, child slavery problem yeah. with it in like the DRC and so on. Yes, but it's. I remember that was one of the main reasons uh, we had covered China and their activities in Africa. I'm just saying I'm having a difficult time ripping my mind out of that being their primary reasoning. But I, I can totally see, I mean, if you're making that kind of investment in a country, if there are actual benefits, even to the, the upper echelon of the leaders of specific countries within Africa, then I can imagine them having that kind of sway. Just, just, I mean, it doesn't need to be as, you know, it doesn't need to be super complicated. It's just they're bringing in tons of money that a few key people are benefiting from. And then they could have that diplomatic movement, I think. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's definitely resource extraction going on. Uh, the position of the Chinese government is that they're somewhat more altruistic, right? That they're trying mm -hmm. to help people while also, you know, making moves mm -hmm. that are good for their own economy. Uh, the, I believe it was, it was an, Indian academic, a, a guy named Brahma Chalani, who first introduced the um, the theory of a Chinese debt trap diplomacy, which is sort of company storing people into compliance. That has been, at least by a lot of people in the West, that has been considered debunked recently. Uh, and you can read some interesting articles about that on the ChinaAfricaProject.com. Which, uh, by the way, if you can tell from the headline, is a somewhat biased source. But there is also reporting um, from places like the BBC. There's an excellent article, a summation of this, uh, our defense of this position by Dickens Aloe, who wrote an article called Why African Countries Back China on Human Rights. I recommend reading that. Uh, at this point, the issue here is really one of perspective. Yes, resource extraction is occurring. Uh, yes, there is the high potential for forming voting blocks. And uh, that's not 
something original to China, though, right? Other countries do that. The U.S. does that. Uh, and you can see it in controversial issues. Uh, almost any time a U.N. vote comes up that goes for or against one country's interest, then they both scramble to see how many client states, let's be honest, they can they can uh, force to vote on their side. So to me, that conspiracy is both plausible and real, and it is probably happening. The question is, to what degree is that happening? And then the question also becomes, what what is the individual situation for each of those countries who are maybe voting with the the Chinese stance in the UN? Are they are they doing it because they genuinely agree with some ideological point, or are they doing that because it is a condition? Uh, even if not explicitly written out, it's a condition of the deal they have. It's hard to tell. Trying really hard not to be extra, super massively cynical about all of this, Ben, and just like apply it to everybody and analyze how everyone's voting. Which master is pulling the puppet strings in this scenario? No, yeah, well, I, here, here's, here's, the key, here's the key, Matt. It's the puppet that's pulling the puppet strings. You don't ever even see the master. It's just oof. another puppet. Oh, I like no. that. Yeah. I know, I know. Puppets uh, yeah. on puppets? It's puppets all the way down and all the way up. <laughs> uh, that's very specialty type of porn. Puppet it's, on puppet. It's, it's Matroshka puppets, man. There's also a little puppet inside the other puppet. It's like a puppet mech. Uh, but oh, God. We're, I mean, but that, like, honestly, there is a complex web of stakeholders, interests, competing interests. But here's why I love this question, S, and here's why this question is so incredibly important to ask. There is right now an enormous global level infrastructure project that's happening. And it's, um, I would say it's not getting its due of uh, fair reporting in the West. It's something called the One Belt, One Road Initiative. We know about the Silk Road, the famous transit route. Oh, gosh, I have some books on that somewhere. The famous transit route from the Chinese mainland through Central Asia getting to Europe, right? That's how spices moved, silk, jade, things like that. And that occupies a place in history. Now, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who says Samarkand is these days a hub of global trade. They're probably more likely to name something like London, you know? And then shout out to how this concern has been uh, building for a while. It made me reread uh, one of these books, Africa's Silk Road, which I'd like to recommend to you as, uh, if you haven't read it yet, China and India's New Economic Frontier by Harry G. Broadman. But I want you to note something very interesting. The printer, the imprint on this, I don't know if it's reversed or if you can read it, it says the World Bank. So you got to look for the sources. When you get into these conversations, uh, <laughs> this uh, right, uh, you know, recently uh, in recent years under the Trump administration, uh, the U.S. was told to withdraw from some international organizations like the World Health Organization, better known as the less famous WHO, and this this prompted fears that it would be an opportunity for uh the for the government of China to expand into the vacuum that was left behind the one belt one road initiative is sort of a new silk road and it's tremendously fascinating if you are 
uh, if you're into foreign policy and you're into the long-term effects of this, it will affect you if you're in the U.S., by the way. We just don't know how yet. The Silk Road economic belt is, it's like this massive new on steroids version of the Silk Road. We're talking rail, we're talking new interstates uh, that are providing all this ground transportation to these landlocked areas going through these historical trade routes using those old mountain passes. Uh, This is incredibly controversial because a lot of the countries affected by this in Central Asia are, the people aren't necessarily behind it. There are big protests in Pakistan as we're recording this. Uh, And the this system, this one belt, one road, is going or is meant to go to Africa, to the African continent as well, prompting no small amount of fear in local populations. And each country is handling this differently because despite what, uh, I know I keep saying mainstream news here, but I'm not using this hyperbolically, but mainstream news in the U.S. often has a terrible habit of acting like these countries are not somehow very different from each other, you know, culturally, economically, they're incredibly different. And it's weird for that oversight to occur. I don't know if it's intentionally misleading or if they just have a certain amount of time when they're talking on the news, but it's like everybody who lives in the U.S. knows that Mississippi is culturally very different from New York. So why would we assume that a continent of so many nations with huge populations in some cases, why would they all be samey-same? Oh, you think people are you saying that people have a tendency to generalize over, overly so because it's easier on their brains? Perhaps uh, it is absolutely a mistake to do that. Um, but I think we all do it from time to time. You're absolutely right, Ben. But something to always be self-aware about. Not not a good thing to do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And well said. Uh, we know that multiple countries in the Africa on the African continent have signed some kind of cooperation agreement for one belt, one road, the big question is how extreme will this support become? Could could a sovereign nation be compelled to vote even against its own interest in the international sphere? This this can be drive for people who are maybe not as nerdy about this as uh, as some, I guess I, me included, but but it is important. A lot of the real conspiracies in the world, the things that have the most power and that will affect you the most adversely, a lot of them are meant to be boring by design. They're meant to sound boring. You are not supposed to watch the hand behind the curtain. And with that, I propose that we consider this uh, a future episode. We just have to work on the timing, but we need to talk about this more. The world needs to talk about this more because this influence is is something that couldn't have happened on this level before the dawn of the age of information and before these massive, logistically Byzantine global trade networks. So stay tuned. Thank you so much, S. You can take a page from S's book. Uh, we are conspiracydieheartradio.com, 1-833-STD-WYTK, anytime you want to drop us a line. But don't do it yet, because we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, And then we're going to uh, send you some strange signals, I hear. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back and we're going to hear a message. Hi, guys. I love your show. My name is Maggie, and I just wanted to tell you a, a short little tale. It's not really anything weird or something you would cover on your show, but I thought you would appreciate it. A couple months ago, I was taking a really long drive, like partially across the country, and it ended up being a lot longer than I had planned for because of traffic and other horrible things that had happened. So I was driving like in the middle of the night, and I was so tired, and I was sick of listening to like audiobooks or podcasts and I just wanted something different. So I turned on the AM on the car, AM radio, because I thought maybe there was a chance I could pick up something 
weird or different, you know, because of um, the sky wave propagation. I'm sure you guys know about that, where AM signals can travel farther than normal at night. <clears throat> it was really scratchy, of course, like AM is. I was flipping through a little bit. And it's so dark, and I'm right on, like, Lake Erie, like, near, like, Ripley, like, in between Erie and, like, Dunkirk, New York. And it's, like, the black darkness to my left, okay, of, like, Lake Erie. There's no lights there. And I hear voices, and they're talking about something weird. So I was like, oh, what is this? It's scratchy. Guys, it was you. <laughs> it was stuff they don't want you to know. And I was delighted. I thought you would be too, that I was looking for something strange and unusual to keep me awake on the AM radio. And I assume that somebody was uh, illegally broadcasting it. I don't think that you guys are on any, on any terrestrial radio that I'm aware of. Maybe you know. Um, I don't know. I thought you would like that and appreciate it. I was looking for something weird and I got it. <laughs> it only lasted a few minutes before the signal faded out, but it was really enjoyable. And I always think about it when I listen to your show. Um, keep up the good work. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Heck yeah. Now, Matt, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on the way, you know, AM, FM frequencies interact, but I wouldn't be surprised if it could have possibly been some bleed into an AM frequency from an FM station that was maybe playing one of our episodes on IR. Oh, we get played on AM stations. Yeah. That's how the first stations we've ever, we mm -hmm. were ever played on, on terrestrial radio were AM stations. Oh, because of coast to coast? Uh, it it may have been no, well, just coast AM talk talk talk. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's right. Coast okay, to coast is go. syndicated, so it gets on a bunch of AM stations too. But uh, this is awesome, pirate radio, right up our alley. Uh, I hope Matt, that's what it is. Yeah, Matt, I uh, you know when you tell me not to listen to something in advance, I do because always an amazing surprise. Uh, yes, yes, Maggie, we uh, our show is on terrestrial radio uh, various times. And to be honest with you, we don't always know. Nope. Uh, but mm. but the the sky wave phenomenon is interesting because I believe it happens at night, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it's, what Maggie was saying. Yeah, at, clearer, at night, right? Yeah. At night, it can the they can travel further because of the bounce, right. the Otherwise fun ionosphere bounce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly, uh, and that's why you know it's one of the reasons that listening to AM radio in a storm is so great. Yeah, you get the weird little. You know, now that you mention it, I never realized this, but I do a lot of I do a lot of um, when I'm on road trips, I go nocturnal unless if I have time, then I won't drive during the day and I just drive at night because that's always when you find the interesting AM stations, and I can't believe I never put that together. But especially rural areas, I love it. Uh, that is part of hidden America, and if we can be a part of that regardless of how small, then that is a proud moment for us, I, I would say. Uh, right. Let's be, let's be part of modern folklore. Let's be a ghost radio station. <laughs> Dude, exactly. So like Maggie, one of those, just, like one of those number stations, you know, mm -hmm. like Yankee, yeah. Hotel, Foxtrot. Foxtrot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want that. Uh, so, Maggie, thank you so much for that wonderful message. It was just wonderfully put together, and you have a fantastic voice. Good job. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wanted to play that for these guys because I was I happened to be reading a bunch of YouTube comments on our YouTube channel, and, you know, it's pretty overwhelming just saying, like, 
where where do these guys go? What's happening? Why are they? Why do I see their faces all the time now? And you know, it just strikes me that people who are listening to this right now maybe have been listening for a long time, maybe have been watching for a long time, maybe you're new, and anybody could be jumping on at any point, really, to the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time, you know, we, we don't know who we're calling out to necessarily when we say you are you and you are here. We know it's you. We're just not sure who you are. <laughs> That's a weird statement. No, but, uh, I think it's accurate. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, the royal you, right? Like the, the all-encompassing you of the ether. Cloud but I want to take a yes. Yeah. Oh, I dude, yes. I know you from before. The, yeah. Uh, oh, we got a great message about that from somebody. Oh man, somebody just told us on voicemail about how they the it was John, same person who talked about ketamine. First time he saw his wife walk into the schoolroom where he was, he felt he like knew her immediately. Mm-hmm. He had no idea who this person was, but he knew her. And uh, fascinating phenomena. Um. So the reason why I want to bring this up is just to kind of at the end of the year. Let you know, Maggie, how much that message means I, I, to me personally, and I hope to you guys too. Yes. Just when we think yes. about where we are and where we, you know, where we started uh, way back in the day, gosh, I, I think, I think 11, 12 years ago when we started creating easily. stuff they don't want you to know. Very um, easily. Yeah. So I just want to go over some of it. And if you guys could help me fill in and just tell the story a bit, I figured this would be a, a, a time to do it if there was any. Right. right. Um, So, Noel, forgive me. We're going to start with just Ben and I, because that's where it began. And then you're going to jump in if that's okay. You got it. So, oh, man, Ben's pulling Scully over. I know. And and this will be (laughs) this will be important at the end of this. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're starting in the Uh, past, but I think we'll end in the future. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Starting in the past, Ben, uh, we were making videos. We needed to create a show with video footage that we had from Discovery Channel. We needed to find a way to make a show around that concept. We came up with a conspiracy unsolved mysteries style show, and we created stuff they don't want you to know. And we started making videos that went on iTunes. They went into the iTunes video podcast feed. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all began. Uh, I was producing all of those videos, so actually editing and shooting the videos. And Ben, you were writing and starring in them. Uh, is that accurate? Uh, starring uh, is is uh, very kind. Um, I always I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> like to think of things as a group project, and that's sometimes sometimes to my detriment, but not not in that case. And uh, you, I'm not you, saying it wasn't a group project. I'm saying yeah. you were you were the voice. Uh, you both wrote the voice, and you and you spoke the voice. Well, yeah, and we we worked together on finding things that we thought people hadn't heard about and should hear about, and asking questions, blind critical thinking to the concept of conspiracy theories, and we went into some very strange places very quickly because I think our very first our very first pilot episode was we went into working on we said okay let's do JFK assassination by far the most popular widely believed conspiracy theory in the US uh, and then we stopped for a second and you and I had a moment where we said no let's get weird with it other people have done that there's other stuff and um, eventually, so we did fluoridation instead. <laughs> fluoridation <laughs> instead, uh, and eventually we decided. Uh, we thought I don't know about you. I thought we were going to get fired in two weeks, but we decided to. We ended up moving to YouTube, and then we we're doing more videos. And for anyone who doesn't know, Matt is a 
maestro uh, as in video and audio and production. And so we were making at some point uh, multiple videos per week and uh, we had different formats. And then I remember you and I may remember this differently, but I kept trying to drag you on camera with me because I was appearing on camera a lot. We were doing a vlog style format, uh, which for very concrete reasons, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, And then we would do stuff like we all love sketch comedy too. And um, we do stuff where I I think one of my favorites was we did a very cynical impression of presidential debates. Do you remember that? We did very early on in our own YouTube channel uh, for sure. And we did that for, for what, four years, something like that. Some of my favorite times, but really that was what Ben and I did. We, we worked on side projects, you know, made some other videos, Ben, you can search YouTube for Ben Bolin. You will find him. He's everywhere. Um, And you can see some of the stuff I produce around that time, but really that was our job. We were making stuff they don't want you to know. And then we started the podcast and around that time is when Noel came on board and Mm -hmm. Noel was, was at, I think you were making every single podcast on the network when you joined. Yeah. Everyone except stuff you should know, um, which was, uh, was, and is produced by, uh, the original super producer, Jerry, the mysterious Jerry, who was also our boss during these, uh, discovery video, uh, days and is now still a boss, not necessarily our, maybe she is, I forget how the org chart works, but, um, she has stayed with and risen in the ranks of the company through various acquisitions, um, as have we all, thankfully. And, um, yeah, there was a time where the podcast aspect of how stuff works was kind of just a blip. Discovery kind of didn't really know what they had and they were focusing you know on the YouTube side of things and sort of you know pushing the podcast thing off to the side not really realizing what an incredible asset that was going to ultimately be and I was the lucky devil that got to edit just about every single one of them every single week by myself including stuff they don't want you to know. That's right and when we had shout out corner with, with super producer Noel and I'm trying to center everybody here just to understand what we're doing, right, in these kind of points in time. So we're still at that point when Noel is here, he's making all the podcasts. I happen to have a baby. Then we become this, right? What you're hearing right now, the three of us on mic making a podcast Mm -hmm. every week now, five times a week. And I have to add. Because I'm always trying to grab producers and pull them on. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I have to add. I mean, you... Never asked anyone's permission to have me on. We just did it. And I sat in while Matt was was away on paternity leave. And then Matt came back and it was just like, what the hell? Let's just be a threesome. We we, we had a threesome and we've been having threesomes every day ever since. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but around around that time when we started making the podcast a few years later, there are shifts at the company that we work for. How stuff works. Y'all y'all remember this. Well, hopefully you do. It was a company called How Stuff Works. Uh, it started making shifts and changing its business models. And remember, we're employees for that company at that time. And we are, you know, what we're doing every day is beginning to shift. And I think it was around 2016, 2017 when we officially stopped making our original stuff they don't want you to know YouTube series on, you know, at least on a weekly basis, Ben. I think that's around the time. 
And that is when the company really shifted to podcasting as its primary way, like means of making money. Well, that was after an acquisition from Discovery, who, again, like I said, kind of didn't know what they had. And then we were acquired by another company that did realize what we had. And that was what led to us kind of splitting the business off from the, the podcast side and the article side of how stuff works, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of minutia in there. And it really just what you need to know is that the business changed and and Ben and Nolan and I have been here for a long time. So what we're doing on a daily basis changed a lot. And that's the the primary reason why we had to just spend our time doing other things besides making this, I think, highly curated uh, video series called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know that we were making on a weekly basis. And I just wanted to like put that out there as like, that's the reason why things changed because we started producing podcasts of all different kinds of, you know, running teams and just having a very different job here than we had in the past. Yep. And I think we've intimated that here and there, uh, you know, on mic, but this is really great to hear this kind of oral history, right? Yeah. Hopefully it's interesting. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, there are so many people asking about it in the ooh, comments, like the majority yeah. of the comments are where the hell are these guys? Yeah. So I just want, I want everyone to have a moment to just hear like what's going on. Ooh. It's, uh, it's not as though we just stopped, making videos because we didn't want to make videos anymore. No. It's because our jobs evolved. I, I fought against uh, it. Um, yeah, pretty hard. We, if you we did. Cause I, I loved yeah. it. It's uh, those videos are some of the, my favorite things I've ever done here. Um, and you know, if you're watching this and you're watching one of the uh, YouTube excerpts, then you'll see uh, this will be familiar to some of our fellow conspiracy realists there in the back Scully, one of our first co-conspirators and collaborators, when the pandemic hit, I was not only, you know, like everybody else, uh, busting my shadow to get a, to get a recording set up outside of the office, but was also asked every so often by people who come back and say, we want you to make more of these videos. And say, well, yes. okay, we we need the time to do so. Uh, and so I emptied out a room in my house and now I, I live with a giant skeleton where other people would, you know, have a bed or a television or something. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, not, it's not even in your closet. It's just like out right out in the open. No, no, no. The real <laughs> ones are in the closet. This is a, a, a model skeleton uh, for, you know, FCC purposes. But the, uh, <laughs> uh, this story does go into the future because without telling you any specifics, folks, um, we can say that you should be tuned in to this YouTube channel. Uh, and thank you for your patience. We are an ever-evolving enterprise, and uh, there's always more stuff on the way. We keep ourselves on our toes. There's always a new project that we're doing as individuals or as a group. I personally, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I cannot wait for, for you to see some of the stuff that we're working way on in this kind of Tom Waits, what's he building in their situation. And when we, when I say can't wait, this is so serious. We are paid to talk. Do you have any idea how difficult it is for us to not talk about something to keep a thing <laughs> secret? We're trying. Yeah. I think we're doing okay. But, you know, also at this point, you know, we, we're careful not to be too teasy about it. Right. So so whenever whenever you hear one of us say something like that, whether it's about a show that's not stuff they want you to know, and one of uh, one of my illustrious colleagues is working on or wherever you hear us collectively say like, oh, 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 just you wait, we're not blowing smoke. 
there is stuff uh, and mm-hmm. cannot cannot wait for you to see it. But yeah, that's the oral history. We also had, we've done some live shows. We've been in very weird situations and we've been in, you know, uh, one point we missed in the timeline here is that, gosh, was it over the pandemic or before we went to uh, becoming a show that publishes something Monday through Friday, which is uh, yes. a lot to do. It's a lot of fun. It I don't is. know about you guys. I'm a dog with a ball. I'm a badger with yeah, a bag. It's on this. a lot. Of fun, but also just a lot of, of stuff. And uh, thanks to, to everyone out there for listening to all of it, because it's not like we have big drop-offs uh, between each different type of episode. And I think we've uh, tried really hard to make them all interesting and engaging, even the republished episode, because as everyone knows, iTunes or whatever we call it now, Apple Podcasts only shows 300 of the most recent ones. So there are definitely ones that we're putting out from the beginning that a lot of new folks have not heard yet. And maybe uh, long running folks are hearing again with fresh ears because we try to add a little new context every time we put one of those out. That's right. This is I I just want to say this is a matter of uh, great importance, at least from my perspective. There's still going to be two episodes every week and we found a nice balance with the strange news and listener mail segments get one of those every week and those classics can be hard to find like i don't know about you guys i get a lot of people writing to me that say hey what about this thing from you know 2017 or whatever uh that's why we we try to republish those because as noel said uh apple will make it difficult to find those things and sometimes uh people have even asked if something has been pulled from the internet that hasn't happened yet, but uh, for a show like this, it would be immensely flattering if that occurred. It would there, mean we were on to something. There are a few things you can't find on our YouTube channel anymore, and a couple uh, of things YouTube, that are missing yeah. uh, from other places that are a bit mysterious, but we're not going to get into that right now. What I really <laughs> want to do is just bring it right back to Maggie's message, just to let you know, for some guys who have been toiling away at this thing for years and years and years, because we're passionate about it, we love it. And, you know, thankfully, we we make some money. We're still employed to, to do this. Uh, but to hear a message from you that you just randomly heard our voices on the actual radio, it's just wonderful. It makes me very, very happy. Uh, it makes us happy, I think. Video star. It, it did. Radio killed the video star. It didn't <laughs> kill anything. It brought it back to life, too. It's fine. They can coexist. These things can coexist. But thank you, Maggie, so much uh, for, from, from all of us for, uh, for letting us know that we're out there floating in the ether, mm-hmm. uh, even if we don't know it. It's really cool to hear. We'll find your ears, folks. We'll find them. Uh, so this is my cryptic nature aside. Yes. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for bringing that piece of what may well be folklore at some point. Uh, and I, I, we think transparency is important, and it's important to answer those questions. Thank you as well to uh, Almost Widowed. Thank you as well to S. And thanks to everybody for <laughs> hey, tuning in. Was a- <laughs> if, if you would you like to- liar. You said you were going to ditch the pause. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were glitched. I thought you were glitched. Oh, also, since we're since we're having family time, and do stay tuned. We have we have um, one more special message in an upcoming in an upcoming show. But um, since we're having family time, we should also tell you uh, it has been a real bear 
to record today. Let's see. Who who got kicked off of our own show today? Matt, you got kicked off of your own show. Yep. I got kicked off of my own show. Uh, we came back uh, because mm-hmm. that's how important this show is. You are the most important part of To What Is Us, a very, very important thing. We can't wait to hear from you. If you want to take a page from your fellow Conspiracy Realist book, we try to be easy to find online. Oh, online. You can find this on Facebook. You can find this on uh, Twitter. And you can find this on YouTube, as mentioned, under the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. We're at Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. If none of those things do it for you, which we hope they do in some uh, form, small or large, uh, you can uh, send us a voicemail. You can read us, speak to us uh, through the telephone by giving us a call. Yes, our number is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. When you call in, you will hear Ben and then a tone, and you will know it is your turn. Please give yourself a cool nickname. You have three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Let us know if we can use your name and your message on the air in one of these listener mail episodes. And uh, really just do whatever you want on there. If you've got too much to say that won't fit in that three minutes... Instead, consider sending us a good old-fashioned email. We read every single one that is sent to us. You can reach us. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. 
The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.